Uh, okay, so if you were here last week, uh, Pastor Melissa here, she brought an excellent, awesome word about children and how necessary it is that we bring them up under the word and in the Lord and how important it is that they know Jesus. And so I was, I was wondering what, I should, what the Lord wanted me to teach on, you know, and Pastor Kenny, you know, he told me to teach on faith. I was like, okay. It's like, I, I don't know where to start with that. And I was sitting there getting ready to prep this, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm, I'm only 26. You know, I've, I've been through some things, you know, and I've been through not a lot, too. I was like, I don't know what to say about this. And the Lord just dropped this on me. And so I pray that you, you receive this as well. Um, but what I'm, I want to talk about this morning is childlike faith or faith like a child. Um, and for a long time, I was like, what the heck does that even mean? And what is, what is faith like a child? I was very confused. Um, but I want to read this here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, this, this passage confused me a lot. Uh, and if you're familiar with the gospels, there's a man who Jesus tells, he's telling the people that they must be born again. And there's this one man, he's like, what, how am I going to do that? How do I re-enter? I'm a grown man. How do I re-enter my mother's womb to be born again? And that's not what Jesus was talking about. We know that now. And reading passages like this, I've often found myself in the same state of mind. I'm like, how do I have a childlike faith? What does that even mean? Like, they're children, you know, they're four, five, six, they don't know anything. And I think that's kind of, kind of the point, right? And, uh, because as adults, we often think we have life figured out, at least for the most part, you know. And then a lot of times life will remind us that we don't have it figured out. And we're like, oh, that's true. I didn't know that. And then a little bit later we get back into it. And then all of a sudden we think we have life figured out once again. You know, we, we think we know how people are going to react. We think we know how this has happened this way in the past. So this is how, it's gonna, it's how it has to happen, you know, coming up. And the thing with kids, they don't have that filter. They don't have that experience that they can say, oh, I know how this went, so this is how it's going to go, just because that's how they are. As a matter of fact, you know, the only kids, kids don't have it figured out. They don't. Simple as that. But the ones that do have it figured out, oftentimes they, they think they have it figured out because of what their parents have told them, right? I know I worked in a daycare for four years, maybe five, something like that. And in my experience, the kids who thought they had it figured out were the ones who were told what was what from their parents, right? Like, I heard Something like this sometimes, and some of you will know this isn't true, but I've heard something like, you know, my dad says that the Giants are the greatest football team ever, and you can't sway them from that, right? That's just it. That's fact for them. You can't, they can't change their mind, nothing like that. It doesn't matter how many stats you put out there to say they're not or whatever. The kid's like, no, this is it. This is how it is, right? And even if you guys have seen, has anybody seen Waterboy, the movie? A few of you are good. Okay, that's good. Because I got an example from this that I think perfectly illustrates this. So if you're not familiar, uh, Adam Sandler's movie, he's, he's a grown man, uh, but he's very, his mind is very young. Right? He's like probably like 12, 13, whatever, that's his idea. And he's in class one day at college, he finally gets to go to college, and he's in class, and his, his teacher is asking the class, you know, what makes alligators so abnormally aggressive? And he raises his hand, he stands up, and he says, he says, mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. That's one of my favorite quotes. 
And, and the teacher kind of laughs, the whole class laughs, and you're like, oh, it must be a joke. And, you know, he's still standing there, he's like, no, mama says. And so they're like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, it's like, so the, mama's wrong, you know, they go on, and they say, you know, it's a medulla obligata, blah, blah, blah. Well, a little later, the professor asks the class again another question. Well, uh, uh, Bobby Boucher answers, says, mama says this. The professor says, no, mama's wrong. Bobby Boucher gets mad because he thinks mama's right. 100%, there's nobody can tell them different. He gets ready to storm out, right? He says, before he storms out, I just want to throw this quote in here because it's funny. He says, no, Colonel Sanders, because this guy looks like Colonel Sanders. He's like, no, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. He stands up and he gets ready to run out of the class, right? And as he does, uh, he's, the teacher makes some remark to him and it just sends him through the roof and he turns to the teacher and he just runs and tackles him, right? And that's the end of the scene. But I love this because I think Bobby Boucher in this this time, he really, he, he really illustrates how we as Christians should be with God, right? His word says this and that, and we should take that as truth, and that should be it, right? Not our, our experiences, not what people have told us, other people have told us, but this is what the word says, this is what God has spoken to me, and this is how it is, and I think a lot of times as adults, we lose that, and so I hope that today, by the time we're done here, I hope that we can all leave here, myself included, that we can all leave here with that sort of mentality, that what God has spoken to you, either in your prayer time or through the word, that you can leave here and say, this is how it is, and this is what I'm going to believe because I have this childlike faith. And I might have just blown through my whole message right there, but that's okay. I'm gonna, we're going to go through this. Um, but, you know, the reason I think Jesus said that is because if you, if you have kids, you know this is true, and if you don't, you've probably seen it enough, but kids have such a strong trust in their parents, they, they trust them to provide for them. They trust them to keep a house over the head. They don't even think about that stuff, right? They just come home, they do their thing, and they know there's going to be food on the table. They know that their house is going to be there. And at the very least, they know that the parents are going to love them. You know, some countries, they don't have that. You know, they don't have a house. They don't always have food. But at the very least, they know that their parents are there, and they're going to love them in most cases, right? And that's that childlike faith that we hold on to God like that. You know, Lord, I may not have a house. You know, you might be facing bankruptcy or whatever it is. You know, I may not have a house, but Lord, I'm going to hold on to you because I know you love me and I know you've got me in this. And um, that is what I believe Jesus was trying to, to communicate to everybody, to the disciples who were there, those who are listening, and even to us today because we all need that reminder. And, uh, you know, I've been going through this journey, as you will, probably started about a year ago, of really understanding uh, who God is as a father I thought I knew for a long time, and then I would oftentimes take my perception of what life has told me, and I'd project it onto God. And it would make some scriptures hard for me to understand, because I, like, I haven't received that way from anybody else. Not that my, my dad is a bad dad by any means, I'm not saying that, but you know, we're all human and we all fall short. It's just, it's, a, it's how we are. And so a lot of the times going through that, I was like, I don't know if I can believe that. I just, I don't know how to accept that. I don't know how to, how, to, how to do that. And one of the most powerful verses for me has been the prodigal son. This is not in my notes. I'm going a little off track here, but that's, that's, it is what it is. I'm, we're going to go with it. But the fact that if I put myself in the, the place of the prodigal son, the one who, who has been in the family and he received all the love that we're talking about, you know, he had a place to stay he had food, he had clothes on his back, he had all the security in life. 
And then one day he's, he turns to his dad and says, I want my inheritance. And for one, the fact that his father gave it to him was kind of crazy anyways. But his, his dad said, all right, here it is, and do what you want. And so the prodigal son goes out, and he spends it all, and he finds himself in a much worse place than where he was at home. And he says, you know, even the servants at my father's house have it better than I do right now. And so he has this moment where he's like, all right, I'm going to go back to the father. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to have this whole speech prepared. I'm going to beg for forgiveness. I'm like, just give me, just let me be a servant. You know, that's all I need. Just some, a place to eat, a place to stay, you know, where I'm safe. And he says, that's all I need. I don't need anything else. And when he gets there, if you're familiar with the story, his father sees him coming from the state, from the house, wherever he's at. And it says that he runs to meet him, which is unheard of anyways, right? But the fact that his, his father runs to meet him after he's done all these things. He's burnt his dad, you know, he's cut ties. He said, forget you, I'm out doing my own thing. And his father was waiting for him to run after him and, and to greet him. And it says that he put a, a ring on his finger and a robe on his back and they threw a, a feast and stuff. And his father welcomed him back. And I, it took me so long to really grasp it. And I'm still, truthfully, I'm still trying to understand that. But for all of us here, that is exactly what God is doing for us. That, that's the type of love that he has for us, right? He, he, he has such a love that he runs to meet you. He runs to you. He doesn't walk. He doesn't wait for you to come to him. He sees you coming, and then he comes right to you. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And so I've been on this journey, and that's why this, this message is special to me. And I, I, I hope I can clearly communicate it, but it's special to me because I am myself, as I give this message and walking through this learning, to see God as a father that he is and not as the father that I think he, he is, right? And so if you think about it, no matter how your, 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 heaven, your earthly father has treated you, good or bad, we have no reason that we shouldn't trust our Heavenly Father, right? He's never given us a reason not to. Because he's never given me a reason not to. And I know the same is for you because in Hebrews 13.8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Numbers 23.19, I love this, this verse. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? I, he is not for me. He's never failed to act for me. He's never not come through for me. And I know that's the same for you. And I'm going to talk about that later as we go into this. But Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah 55:11 says, this is God speaking. He says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. I, it will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper Everywhere I send it. And so these four or five scriptures alone, it, it, it proves that God is faithful and he's never left you. He's never failed you. Even though you may think he has, he hasn't. Because I've been in that position where I thought I, I missed it, where I thought God failed me, where I thought I messed up too bad, or whatever it could be. But I know that the Lord's purpose still stands and never fades and never fails and never doesn't get completed. It just, it doesn't. And this, this thing, you know, the, Jesus said throughout his teaching in, uh, I can't remember what it is in Matthew, but he talks about caring for the birds. 
He says that the father cares for the birds enough that he makes sure that they have food. You know, it says the flowers are clothed in splendor. He says, how much more does the father care for you? Now think about that. If God's making sure the birds have food to eat, whatever it may be, or all the animals have food to eat, he's making sure that you have that and then more, right? Because you're not just another part of creation. You are special to God. You are special to God. I know that because he did not give the promise of salvation or anything like that to any of the animals, right? Or any other creation, not to the trees or the flowers or whatever. He gave it to you and I. And the Bible clearly says throughout from the beginning to the end that we're, that we're his special possession. We are his children. It's something that he wants, he yearns to be in, in communion with. And uh, sometimes our lack of being able to see God as a father, as a father that he is, hinders that. Not on his end. Not on his end at all but on our end, being able to receive from him. And so God, he, he hasn't given you any reason not to trust him, right? There's no reason why. He knows exactly when to move, how to move, and, and how to do it because he's so big and he is so wise and he knows the beginning from the end. So you can trust that even though it doesn't come in your timing, that God's going to come through for you. I know a few of you in here that I know personally, I know you know that's true. You, even recently, you've been through that. God has not failed you, even though you felt like you've been in the dumps. You felt like you were too far gone. You've been in so far in the trenches and the valleys that God, he's not coming to you. He just won't. You're too far gone, and it's not true. It's a beautiful thing about the, the, the story of the prodigal son. You know, I, I believe that, that Jesus, in saying this, having a childlike faith, is that he wants you to trust God like he loves you unconditionally, like he loves you immensely, more than you can imagine, because he does, because it's true. And that, for me, has been a hard concept to grasp until lately, and I'm still working through some things, but I'm really starting to understand that, and it's a beautiful thing. The thing that I've learned is we have to be careful not to project our experiences onto God. You, can't, you, have to be, you have to be careful not to project how your dad treated you or how you felt about your dad onto God because God is not the same as your, your earthly father. You know, your, your earthly father has probably failed you, maybe many times, maybe a few times, but he still failed you. You know, he's probably said things to you that hurt. He's done things to you to hurt. And I know some, some people may not be here, but some people who listen to this later, you know, they've been abused. They've been... They've been touched in ways they shouldn't have been. They've been through horrible, horrendous things from their father. And we have to be careful not to put that same kind of anger, that same kind of hurt, that same kind of disdain that we have for our, our earthly fathers on God, our heavenly father, because he will not fail you. He cannot fail you. I would dare to say he cannot fail you because he's bound to his word. and His, his word is that he's going to provide for you, he's going to protect you, he's going to do all these things. He's, he's bound to it, and he can't fail that. He won't fail you. And so the, kind of the struggle that we go through, through life even, is, is learning to understand that about God, learning to really, to really grasp that and, and hold on to that. If you think about all the good things that your, your, your earthly father is, you know, the kindness, the compassion, the, the words of encouragement, all that stuff, you take that, and you can probably multiply that by a million or whatever. And God, that would maybe reach where God's at. You know, he, he's so much better. He's, there's so much goodness in him. And I think that's why it's been so hard for me to, to grasp that, that concept of, of him being a heavenly father 
and coming to him as a child who, who's safe and secure and all that stuff. And so when Jesus tells us to humble ourselves and become like children, I believe that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying to take God at his word. Understand that he's not like your earthly father, but he's far better. He's far greater. He will not fail you. Not ever. And we take how we, we've had experiences with people in the past, and we throw those aside and say, this is what God, this is what you've said in your word. This is what you've spoken to me in my times alone with you. And I have no reason to believe otherwise. Right? There's no reason to believe otherwise. And so that's what I'm going to hold on to. And, you know, as we go through the craziness of the world and the state that it is now and as it progresses, this is the kind of faith that I think we need as we go through this. Not the faith for houses or the, the faith for your, necessarily your bills to be met or anything like that. While that's still true and that's necessary. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, I, I believe that the core of this is having the faith in your heavenly father. That he's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to be there with you through everything. It says that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Never. Never, ever. Never, ever. He's not going to pull away from you. You might pull away from him, but he's not pulling away from you. Just like the prodigal son, the father, he's going to come running right towards you. You, make, you take one or two steps towards him. You take a, a slow, shameful walk, and he's going to come running right to you. He's going to restore you back to your position of being a child. And he's going to say, look, let's celebrate. My son has come home. Slaughter the fattened calf, and let's celebrate with everybody. That's a beautiful thing. Jesus said here in, in Luke 10, 10, 21, he says, at the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the, of the Holy Spirit. And he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. I say that because I, I really want, I really hope that you guys are able to after today is really set aside your experiences, set aside all that stuff, all that you think you know, all that you've, you've, you've learned about God and really go on this journey of learning who God is as a father and grabbing onto that faith. I know when I was a kid, I loved being around my dad. You know, I loved it. I always knew I'd come home and there was a safe place for me. Um, you know, we, we went through our stuff. You know, I had, I had my own teenager emotion stuff and whatnot. Um, but my dad's here today, you know, and I, I love him to death. And I'm thankful for him. And, uh, but he still doesn't compare to, to God, our Heavenly Father. Just gotta take him at his word. That's take him at his word, please. Just take him at his word. Sometimes we gotta remind ourselves that God's the God of the impossible, and that's that's relationships too. Why would you restore me? Why would you bring me back? Why would you? What would you? What do you want to do with me? I've done all this crap. I've done all this stuff. I don't know if I should have said that, but I've done all this stuff. <laughs> but why would you? Why do you? Why me? Why, why me? You know, I haven't done this, I haven't murdered people and all that stuff, but to me, I feel terrible enough. But for all of us as our Heavenly Father, you know, God says, I, that's okay, come to me. And Paul, he, he murdered people, he murdered Christians, he persecuted on his way, he was on his way to, to arrest Christians when Jesus met him and restored him. And he, he understood who Jesus was, and he became, he went on to write most of the New Testament. He became one of the most influential people in Christianity. And was he worth it? Yeah, God thought so. 
Cubans probably didn't think so. They were terrified of him when he went to churches. Like, oh, this is the guy who used to kill Christians. Oh, what are we going to do? But God, the value of, of being his children is so great. It's so great that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you do, God, you, you, walk, you come to the God, man, he's coming to you quicker, faster than you can imagine. And we got to hold on to that. We have to hold on to that. I have to hold on to that. I do. And in Mark chapter 10, 27, it says that with man, this is impossible, with, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. All things. So when you, God's spoken something to you, and you can't see it coming to pass, and you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. There's no way this can happen. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. But you know, in, in, this, in this passage, Jesus is talking about salvation, but it applies to God in every aspect. You look through all the scriptures, it applies to God in every aspect. It's the God of the impossible. Salvation alone is an impossible feat, but God did it. Yeah, he sent Jesus to die for each and every one of us. He, he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin that we, that we committed. We had the tab of sin of a huge list of offenses against God. And God loves you. He loves me. He loves each and every one of us so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. I know we hear that all the time, but in, in light of this, I pray that maybe, just maybe, this will, you'll begin to understand how much God loves you. To send his son to die for you. That you could be with God, you could be in relationship, you could become a child and have that protection, that love, that peace, that compassion, everything that God is. That you could have that. You have a direct line to the Father, creator of heaven and earth. A beautiful thing. As Jesus says with man, this is impossible. There's not a single thing that any of us could do to be made righteous, to be made right in God's sight, to be accepted by God on our own. You know, we can never live up to God's expectations on our own, apart from Jesus. It's impossible. You can't do it. You just can't do it. But because God loves you and because he's so wise and he sees the beginning from the end, he sent Jesus to die for us because he wants you to be with him. And you know, the only thing that any of us have to do is a, is a phrase that we hear in the church a lot, but believe and confess. But we gotta repent first. That means to turn away from what you've been doing. Turn away the things from the things that separate you from God. The things that have offended God for so long. And, and believe that Jesus is Lord. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Believe that he died, that, that he was crucified, he died, was buried, and now he's alive again. That he's alive again. He speaks to you every day. I mean, you felt it in worship. It was, it was mellow today, but man, it was rich in the presence. Jesus is alive. He loves each and every one of you. And he is, yeah, he is the way to the Father. The only way. The only way. Romans 10, 9 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if there's anyone in here today and something, something about this resonates with you, as you, you realize that you, you need to become a child of God, that there's, you want this desire for a heavenly father, then I invite you to, to say this with me. We're going to confess, we're going to believe. Belief starts in your heart. 
I can't do that. That's, that's between you and God. But what I can do is I can help you confess. But you got to have the belief behind it. And some people in here, you know, you, you, may have, you may have done that in the past. And you feel like you've been through so much that there's not enough for you. There's, the grace is gone. The grace is done. There's no more. God's grace is sufficient. It, it, Paul says, if I remember right, he says, where sin abounded grace, where sin increased grace abounded even more. And so when, if you feel like you've been a prodigal and you feel like you've messed up so much and you're coming back to God with your feet dragging, you got the speech prepared about how you're just going to serve in the lowly part of the house, God is waiting to make you a son. Full rights restored, back to it. All you got to do is believe in Jesus and confess. And so if you would, everyone bow your heads. And I ask that you say this after me. Those of you who are saved already, you know, you've made this confession. Say it with us. And those of you who, who haven't, I encourage you, turn to Jesus. And say this after me. Say, Jesus, I turn away from my sin. I turn to you. I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died. That you were buried. That you rose from the dead. And that you are alive today. Right now, I make you the Lord of my life. Make me new. And I will follow you the rest of my days to the best of my ability. In Jesus' name, amen.